only interviews, Batman. Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. You're listening to TV Confidential. Wowie zowie, it's fantastic. Ed Roberts with a reminder that the next edition of TV Confidential will premiere next week on this station at the usual time. We'll play part two of our conversation with Jay Moriarty in our behind-the-scenes look at the Jeffersons, plus we'll welcome author and longtime comedy writer Martha Bolton. Martha was the first female staff writer Bob Hope ever hired. That is coming up next week on TV Confidential. We hope you'll join us for that. In the meantime, Greg Airbar is with us to help us round out this week's program with another look at recently released DVD and streaming titles that we think you'll find of interest. You can read Greg Airbar twice a month at cartoonresearch.com. What do you have for us today? Jetsons the movie. Why? Which, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a lot of people are probably asking that, and a lot of people have uh, have a lot of strong feelings. You'd think this movie was... was I should a, I should not have said that. That was a terrible thing. No, well, you know, you, you'd think this movie was, was as controversial as... as and, and fill in the blank, because I'm not even going to mention a movie, because then that'll, that'll open up so many cans of worms that the room will fill with worms. Yes. It's controversial for one reason, and I will get that out of the way, and that's, of course, because... Universal Studios wanted to have this movie do really, really well. It was the height of the career of teen pop sensation Tiffany. So they decided to scrap all of Janet Waldo's dialogue as Judy Jetson and have Tiffany do the dialogue instead. She was just going to be doing the songs. And then Tiffany did Judy's dialogue as well. Rather than that be an asset, it turned out to be to the film's detriment because it raised a hue and cry among the loyal fans. And what they realized was what they really never, not never realized, should have realized, but Hanna-Barbera at least, and I think Joe Barbera did realize, is that the power of how attached people are, not only to these characters, but to the quality of the way these voices should be done is very, very important to people. Disney has a whole division that it's nothing nothing but character voice quality there's a whole department devoted to that not only to how the voices should sound but should there be uh someone who is unavailable or is uh unable or passes away to have the finest person to do the voice to act the voice as best as possible just to dovetail on that that explains why, and this is a Warner Brothers character, this is not a Disney character, but that explains why our mutual friend Bob Bergen, when he does the voice of Porky, sounds as close to Mel Blanc as you could possibly be without imitating Mel Blanc, but that quality of the character is still there, seamless, however many decades later. Yes, and there is a there is a long history of uh, cartoons going all the way back to sound, where they would replace characters at random. Bugs Bunny's voice was not always Mel Blanc. Sometimes Popeye's voice was replaced several times because either uh, Jack Mercer was in uh, he was drafted, and so someone else did it. Olive Oil's voice changed several times. Didn't say that Mickey was Walt. A lot of people didn't, didn't know that was Walt Disney at the time, and he was replaced when he didn't... Walt Disney was replaced? No, he self-replaced. <laughs> he 
himself replaced his voice. Well, that's different. With, he was too busy. He had he, yeah. he selected Jimmy McDonald, uh, the legendary sound effects person, and also a, a terrific voice artist. Yeah, um, to be Mickey, and that started happening in the film uh, Fun and Fancy Free. But uh, Walt was Mickey, but people at the time that was not widely known. Yeah, no, was I was I was I was saying that tongue in cheek. I wouldn't want to be the producer to say Walt. Mr. Uh, Mr. Disney, we, we, we need to replace No, 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 no. No, Walt, Walt looked in the mirror and said, no, you're just not. No, no. But what I'm saying is that that what it, people didn't pay as much attention in the days of theatrical cartoons for a couple of reasons. And one of them is that you didn't see a theatrical cartoon on a regular basis the same way you saw them on television. Mm -hmm. Hanna-Barbera really changed that because you wanted to hear Dawes Butler as Huckleberry Hound. And when and, and in fact, in the Flintstones, sometimes Dawes Butler is Barney Rubble because of Mel Blanc having an auto accident. And you can tell it's not. Um, is that Mel the Blanc. reason why? Yes. OK, I, I never I never knew that. I, I just thought that was Mel doing a different voice. And there is a there is a uh, sort of a, a consideration among voice actors that you really shouldn't do someone else's voice uh, under any circumstances, except in an extreme. And uh, from what I understand, Dawes did it for free as a favor. And then when Mel was recovering, they went to his home. It's kind of funny because now the way things are in our present situation, home is where all voices are being done. But they, the entire cast and the technical crew went to Mel Blanc's home when he was well enough to do Barney's voice. But there's a handful of Flintstones, and they broadcast them in uh, at random so that they're not in any particular uh, consecutive order. But the the one of my favorite episodes uh, is the one with uh, Gus Schultz when he's um, he's really uh, rock rock quarry. I miss. The adulation, that one. That's where uh, Barney is, is Dawes Butler. And that's that's very, but you can tell. And I think it's because of the television cartoon yeah. more than anything else. And viewers and li have become loyal to that sound. So when Jana Waldo wasn't going to be that, it, it was the shot heard around the world. And people boycotted the film. There were petitions. Um, many people never saw the film. I don't think Janet saw the film. I didn't think Joe Barbera saw the final film. However, what I will tell you is it's an important film because it's the last film that really Hannah and Barbera worked on personally. And Bill Hannah's biography, he talks about how they, uh, they had a moviola set up for them in an office in the building. Uh, where they could they could look at the, the the rushes and they could go. I mean, they did hands-on work on this movie. This was sort of the bookend for them. You know, they had they had uh, done the Man Called Flintstone as a feature, you know, and they had they had done Yogi Bear as a feature. Here was their here was their bringing back the Jetsons, and you know, after they had done the series, now they're doing it as a film. This was their last together project because the Tom and Jerry feature was really Barbera's project. Once Upon a Forest was really Hannah's project. They weren't always constantly, you know, working on things together. They did separate kinds of work. But this really, according to Hannah's biography, was the last thing they did as a unit. So it's an important film. Uh, to me, it's not necessarily the finest it could have been. And I think a lot of there are a lot of reasons for that but it's not a terrible film either it's actually a very entertaining film and tiffany's songs are fine 
if Tiffany was just singing, that there would have been no problem at all. In fact, there's there's a couple of quite good songs that she sings, and a very touching one that she sings um, uh, about going home. Uh, so really, if they had left it at that, it would have there would have been no problem at all. You can also hear Janet Waldo still in there because in some of the group scenes and things, they they didn't change it. So she still is in there. But there's another thing to remember too. If you if you care about George O'Hanlon, the voice of George, or Mel Blanc, the voice of Mr. Spacely, this was always this was also a final curtain for them because George O'Hanlon had uh, aged to the point where he he was not able to do much even on the, the 1985 series was not able to really see well enough. He had to have the lines spoken so he could repeat them. But they wanted him so bad. To, to do the role that he created, that they worked with him. And he is in most of the film, but not all of the film. He is filled in by Jeff Bergman, who does an interview on the new Blu-ray. So you're hearing, you're going to hear what that was like. Uh, the same thing with Mel Blanc. This was, this was not, you know, he was not in 100% great health here. So Janet Waldo was okay and she went on to con continue to work after that. It was a painful experience. She was given a public apology by Joe Barbera at a retirement party for Don Messick. But in consideration of the other two actors, that's a another reason it's an important film. Typically, the way they do that these, these films is they always take the characters away from their environment. So George gets a job uh, at a different location and these things have been happening in a spacely plant and a, and a uh, far off the edge of space. And he has to figure out what you know, Vice President Jetson. And of course, and it has this environmental theme, which was very big with kids uh, during this period, you know, in the early 90s, late 80s. It has that late 80s, early 90s sound to it. Uh, it also has a wonderful musical score by John Debney. Now, John Debney has a cartoon and film history that's very rich. He, his father was Lou Debney, who was a production manager at Disney. He grew up on the lot, and he went to work for Hanna-Barbera under Hoyt Curtin, who was the master composer there, learned how to compose pretty much there, and Jetson's The Movie was one of his first solo projects. He also did the score for Johnny's Golden Quest, which was a TV movie. Yeah. And quite a few other, I Yabba Dabba Do uh, and uh, Holly Rock Here We Come, which was when Pebbles and Bam Bam got married. He did a lot of Hanna-Barbera stuff, but he also uh, did major motion pictures. Um, he just scored uh, the Christmas film that was on Netflix called uh, Jingle Jangle. And he did, uh, oh my gosh, there's just any number of, uh, Elf, the, the, uh, the John Favreau film, he scored that. And he works a lot with uh, on fa Family Guy is a series he does a lot of work on. So John Debney is a major composer now, and this was one of his earliest things. A lot to recommend for this film. What's cool about it being on Blu-ray is this was also visually interesting because it was hand-drawn, but computers were still relatively new. So it was the Jetsons. So to make it modern, they were adding computer-generated uh, effects to it. So some of the buildings and the effects were, were CG. They also added shading to the characters, which was very unusual. Look for them. 
So that's interesting to look at, especially with the high definition. And uh, one of the reasons I was particularly interested, because I'm looking at it from the historical point of view, is it has that interview with Jeff Bergman, and it has a really comprehensive audio commentary by a writer named Lee Gambit. And he does a lot of commentaries. And I like a very packed commentary. And he speaks wall to wall about every single aspect of the film. But he doesn't weigh it down with negatives. Now, I've told you what the negatives are, and that's it. There's a lot of good stuff that he said about this film. And so he talks about the era in which it was made, the musical context of Tiffany's music, the historical context of the themes in the film. There is no, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't come up for air, and I love that. <laughs> every, every, single, every single aspect of every scene in the film is covered you know, there's, he doesn't take any phone calls. He doesn't, he doesn't just say, oh, that was funny. You know, like some commentaries might. I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody in particular. I'm just saying that. No, I, the, like, I know what you're saying. Some, some commentaries, some audio commentaries, there's a lot of dead air, you know, yeah, in between. Well, and, and some are wall to wall, you know. Yes, and this one, what he worked hard on this, and it shows. And he explains why... The Jetsons, the movie is important, why the Jetsons are important, why this type of art is important. And hey, you know, I'm there. So um, stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Universal, but it is not released by Universal nor by Warner. It is released by Kino Lorber as it's almost an art film. So how about that? Jetsons, the movie the art. Well, I can't explain it, but that, there that, you go. That, well, I, I, I don't know whether, whether I can bring myself to call the Jetsons the movie an, an art film, but I will be happy to say that the Jetsons the movie, as Greg, Greg explained, very important movie in historical context. It is packed with extra features, including wall-to-wall -wall audio commentary for those who want to do the uh, audio commentary option. Jetsons the movie, available on Blu-ray through our friends at Kino. Ranks right. <laughs> A reminder that Honky in the House, Honky in the House writing and producing The Jeffersons by Jay Moriarty, Honky in the House, available Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. That'll do it for our program this week, folks. Ed Robertson, back for Tony Figueroa, Donna Allen, Phil Grace, and Greg Erbar. Thank you so much for listening. Stay healthy, stay safe. We'll talk to you next time on TV Confidential. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at 
TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.